Hello, thanks for joining us today on the Faith Alive Christian Fellowship Podcast. May God bless, keep, and equip you with today's message. Yeah, today I'm going to speak on the promises of God. And uh, I'm going to take you the long way around to get to those promises because I want you to know a little bit about who the promise maker is, right? See, uh, God, he makes a lot of promises to us. And these promises that he makes to us are because he loves us. He loves us unconditionally and he wants to help us. That's why he makes promises to us. He says, do this and I'll do that. He makes covenants, agreements. There's sometimes qualifiers, meaning you do this, I'll do this. But he says, what he says he will do, he will do it. So we wanna get some faith on that, who God is. Can he back up what he says he'll do? See, I thought about what makes a promise valuable. So what makes a promise valuable? Someone promises you something or says they're gonna do something, what makes that valuable to you? The Bible says that if we ask, God will give us the answer, right? So we've got some questions, we're gonna ask. It says wisdom and knowledge, he'll give us wisdom and knowledge, wisdom and knowledge by the Holy Spirit. So he's gonna give us the information and the way to use it. There are, there are many verses that pertain to this. I like this one. It's in Ephesians 1, 17. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So in the knowledge of God, we gain wisdom and knowledge by the Holy Spirit. So for this topic, the topic of promises and God, how he's gonna back them up, I started with the question. Again, what makes a promise valuable? Well, the answer that I received that I first thought of, what makes a promise valuable to me is who is making the promise, right? Who's making that promise to me? See, God's promises have great value and we should meditate on them because of the following points. So those promises that he makes to us, they're very valuable and we should read them and apply them to ourselves, right? They're to us, they're for us. We have to appropriate them to make them valuable. We have to believe in them. You see, so God, the promise maker, he's all powerful. Bible says that he's all powerful. He can do all things anything. So therefore he can back up his promise. He can fulfill them no matter how great they are. And his promises, some of them seem pretty great, right? They seem pretty, he says, we can't even imagine all of the things that he has for us. See, God has a good track record of fulfilling his promises. He fulfills every one of them, every time. You can look back at his history, our history, and see what God has said he will do, he's done it. Even if it was pretty fantastic, seemed like a miracle. Sometimes they were miracles, supernatural, right? He has, he's all powerful. He can do things we can't do. So he has a good track record, right? God has a good track record, good history of fulfilling his promises. We can count on that. We can look back and be like, well, he did it there. We can look back in our lives Right? We can say, oh, well, look at how my life has gone. Yep, he said, if I do this, if you do this, I'll do this. If you do this, I'll do this. It's kind of working out, right? In our walk with God. So the other thing is, who's the promise for, 
right? You wanna think about a valuable, how, about, is a, a promise made to someone else is not as valuable as a promise made to me, right? I'm gonna be like, oh, that's for me, right? So the promise is made for us. They're made for our benefit. They pertain directly to our lives. So these promises God are, is making, they're to us, that, that know him, that follow him, that believe in him. He also makes promises to the unbelievers. And, and those ones, we don't wanna be on that side. You don't wanna be on that side. I was reading in the message, the message is the contemporary language Bible. And it's, it's kind of funny sometimes, you know, when you read it. And Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter one, uh, verse 19 to 22 in the message, uh, you know, I think Paul had some humor. <laughs> he definitely had some wit. And, uh, but yeah, and it was also, he was very sure and confident of himself. He was not gonna get pushed around. And he knew who God was, right? Confidence came through, through God. He said in, so in, starting in verse 17, says, are you now going to accuse me? And, this, and just think about this as a promiser, as a promise of a guy who says he's gonna do something, a guy who says this is the way God said it is, right? So think about it like that. Are you now going to accuse me of flip-flopping with my promises because it didn't work out? Do you think I talk out of both sides of my mouth, a glib yes one moment, a glib no the next? Well, you're wrong. I try to be as true to my word as God is to his. Our word to you wasn't a careless yes, canceled by an indifferent no. How could it be? When Silas and Timothy and I proclaimed the son of God among you, did you pick up on any yes and no, on again, off again, waffling? Wasn't it a clean, strong yes, right? Wasn't like, oh, maybe it's like this. Maybe that'll work for you. No, it was like, this is the way it works. This is who God is. Says going on in verse 20, he says, whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray. The great amen. God's yes and our yes together. Gloriously evident, right? See, Jesus, he stamped that, what God said with a yes. This is the way it is. It's done, it's finished. And he's there, he's, he's, he's the one you can look back on. And he did it. It's gloriously evident. Jesus has risen. So going on, God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. By his spirit, he has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. Destined to complete. So we have Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit in us as, as his pledge, right? His eternal pledge that he will complete it, meaning you could look at all the things that he promises us, he will complete them, right? Means that we don't need to be afraid of dying because we, are, we know we're going to live forever with him. There's one thing. There are things in this world that we can let go of because we know he's got more for us. We don't need to grasp things in this world. <clears throat> we can read here in Philippians 1 verse six says, and I am certain that God, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns, right? So our confidence in God comes because he said it, we agree with him. Because Jesus fulfilled it, we know it's true, right? It's finished. <clears throat> 
See, we all have a good idea as to what a promise is, right? We all, we all have a good idea. We've all heard or said one, at one time or another, I promise to do this, or I promise to do that. And we've all broken our promises, <laughs> right? We've all broken our promises. We may not have said, I promise, exactly, but there's more to a promise than saying just, I promise. And you know, you wanna be careful and not just throw those things out. <laughs> I promise, like it's, the Bible does say something about vowing, right? A promise is kind of like a vow. I'll, I'll do it. Or if you do this, I'll do that. Or the big one, how about this? If I win the lottery, <laughs> right? Oh, that's gonna change your life. No, maybe for the worse. So, so anyway, when we tell someone that we will do something, even if it's something simple or trivial sounding, like we'll meet you there at a certain time or I'll pick you up, right? and then we don't do it, well, we're not really being true to our word. When we are, so when we do this continuously, when we're careless, when we're always saying this thing with our words, we're saying things and we don't back them up with our actions, our words actually become lies, right? And if we do this all the time, people aren't going to take us seriously. We'll say, oh yeah, I'll be there. Oh, he may be 50-50, he might be there. That's why, I mean, I've become more cautious with how I say things. Right? I don't volunteer myself unless I know I can do it. Right? I try not to say, oh, I'll, I'll try. <laughs> right? I'd rather not because I may not be able to do it. If I say I'm going to do something, I try to do it. Right? And I mean, obviously, I'm the least perfect at this, <laughs> one of the least, <laughs> but I'm learning, right? I'm coming along. <clears throat> I want to be taken seriously when I say I'm going to do something. I want people to believe me. And this will be reflect on God as well because when he says he's gonna do something, he does it. So we're not perfect as God is perfect, right? We're not perfect. See, God always does what he says he will do, always. He always keeps his word. He's perfect, right? We, there are sometimes situations where we can't keep our word but, and that's why we need to be careful. See, okay, so God is perfect. Well, let's see what God if, how God keeps his word. Let's see what the Bible says about God, right? Build some faith towards the promise, promise keeper, the one giving us these promises. See, in Numbers 23, chapter 23, verse 19, this is the Old Testament. God, it says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? That's pretty plain. That's in the New International Version. You see, when, when we're looking at this, this stuff, we don't wanna to go to the extreme and start judging others for doing this, for, for not saying, you know, not doing what they say they're gonna do. We don't need to start judging them and getting harsh on them. Instead, we should examine ourselves first and be aware of what we're saying. Like I said, I, I've learned from people calling me on it, hey, you said you were gonna do this because sometimes I, I've said things, I gotta, like, I gotta write that down, <laughs> right? You gotta watch what you say. Uh, I've learned that <laughs> we're, we do our best, right? But our best effort is not always good enough. So let's not get all judgy, right? Judge yourself, try to work on yourself. So you see, keeping, your, keeping a promise, so when you say you'll do something and you'll do this on a continual basis, that's called being committed, right? When you're committed, commit, uh, true commitment is love. Love is committed, being committed to something. You may not have heard that before. 
may, you, may, you guys probably all know, but some people may not know that love is being committed. You ask, how does love involve commitment? Well, the Bible's answer is it does. It's a lot more than a feeling, right? You don't just feel love. Feelings fade. True love is bound up in doing what we say we will do. That's true love, right? That's how you can tell. See, marriage is a commitment. Accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior is a commitment. So we commit to be part of the body of Christ. We commit to a church of which Jesus is the head, right? Jesus is the head of the church. He's in charge. Commit to him. It is important to commit to be faithful. So it's important to commit to stuff. Where I said, I don't like to say I'm gonna do it. Well, when I do say I'm gonna do something, I try to do it. I, I will be committed, right? I'm committed to certain things. Therefore, I cannot do other things. I have commitments that are more important than some of the other ones that could, I could be done, committed to, right? So when we become, like, when, we are, when we get into this type of being, when we are like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna do what I say I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be committed to things. I'm gonna, I'm gonna not waff, waffle back and forth. My yes is gonna be yes, not yes and no, maybe, right? That's character, right? We're starting to grow in character. People can, they can, they can be a good judge of that person's character, right? There used to be a time when everybody was committed to their word virtually. An agreement was a handshake. You didn't have to have lawyers and everybody. If somebody said they were gonna do it, okay, that's the deal. We're gonna do it. I don't need a bunch of paperwork necessarily done by a lawyer. See, synonyms of, synonyms, synonyms of commitment are, so this is what, what commitment is. It's faithfulness, fidelity, loyalty, constancy, devotion, dedication, allegiance, adherence, and reliability. I wouldn't say any of those words are bad character traits, would you? Oh man, that person's so reliable, <laughs> right? Just, I don't wanna be around them. They're just super loyal, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right? Like those are good character traits, good character traits. So, so just think about those, we can substitute those words. You can substitute committed for the word love. You can substitute faithful, fidelity, constancy for the word love. Help to get the bigger picture, right? Those are all action words, a lot of them, right? They're actions. They're, they're, they're types, but they, they involved someone has done something. So you, let, you wanna look at that because the word love is often mischaracterized. By the world, it's very mischaracterized. See, the proper biblical meaning of love, if you look at the biblical meaning, it's old, it's ancient. It is an attribute of God himself, like God himself. Now, when we hear the word love our, in our culture, our minds don't automatically equate it with commitment or with a promise kept, but the truest form of love is just that, a commitment. So, the, so it says, look at God. So he's committed, he's faithful, he's constant, he's devoted, right? That's all in him, that's who he is. See, it talks about in the, in the Bible, there's a version of love called agape, Right? We think of phileo love a lot. That's a feeling type love. Agape is the committed love. It says in ancient Greek, that word, it's described, it describes a spiritual or charitable love, such as the love God has for man. So unconditional love. So it doesn't, it's not based on your performance. It's not based on your works, what you do. He loves us unconditionally, like a father of their child, right? 
may not always like what they're doing, but you still love them. In, in, in uh, the Hebrew, love means at its most basic level, it means to have affection towards someone. But biblically speaking, it's, it talks about love as more than a sentiment. It talks about that as an action. So because you have affection towards someone, there are actions, right, that are visible. See, the, the Bible has a lot to say about love, of course, because God is love. So let's look into this. We, <clears throat> think about those, those words I was using, faithfulness, fidelity, loyalty. When you hear the word love, you should realize that God exhibits all of these qualities towards us in his promises. So his promises are all involving these attributes, right? Of his faithfulness, his commitment, his... So, Let's look at how God, how God is love. It says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. That's 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. God is love. So that's very plain there again. Now there, and then Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. says, now therefore that the Lord your, your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. See, there's a qualifier, right? So we're raised in Judeo-Christian ethics in our, in our country. So we have a foundation going back a few generations of faith in God. And we're, we've rep, reaped the benefits of that because we're, we're keeping his commandments. As much as we keep his commandments in a society, we will see his love displayed his promises at work, right? And same with individually in our life. The more we can keep the Bible, that what the Bible says, the more we can follow it, the more we will see his attributes develop in our life, right? All those promises will come true for us. So there's a qualifier, keep his commandments. And he's merciful. So he even goes past that. He'll even introduce them to people who haven't heard of, heard of him for a long time. Right? There's cultures where they, haven't, they didn't grow up with Jesus around the Bible. They don't even hardly know what that is. They grew up in a different religion maybe, right? So they were taught. So, but God is introducing himself to those people today, supernaturally, because he loves them too, right? He doesn't just love us because we went to Sunday school, <laughs> right? No. So another one here, John, Chapter 15, nine and 10. As the father has loved me, so, ha so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Right there again, keep his commands, committed, faithful, loyal. Remember, we're not perfect, <laughs> but we do our best. See, keeping God's commands takes a commitment to his word first off. If we commit ourselves to his word, he's gonna help us because we read his word and he's gonna supernaturally give us the grace, the ability to do what he wants us to do. We can't do it on our own, that's for sure. But we all can take the Bible, which we have, thankfully, pick it up and read it and meditate on it. We can take the promises and say, God, okay, you said these are for me. What do I need to do to get these promises to work in my life, right? And he'll help us, that's grace, his help. It says in Psalms 86, <clears throat> Psalm chapter 86, verse 15. But you, O Lord, are God merciful and gracious, slow to anger 
and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He's not like us. We're, we're very short-sighted <laughs> still. He's merciful, gracious, slow to anger. We will get those qualities the more we spend time with him. We will. <clears throat> it says in Romans 5 verse 8, God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? It was unconditional. While we were still sinners, we were still his enemy, he died for us. This is just one reason that God is so good, right? Can we love our enemies? <laughs> can, we, can we love those who hurt us, despitefully use us, right? Only with God's help. Otherwise, we're not going to love them, <laughs> So it says in John 15, chapter 15, verse 12 and 13, it says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater has no other, has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So, you know, even we can easily love each other and that's a good thing because the spirit of God gives us a unity that the world does not have. That's the power of the church. It's easier for us to love each other because we're all, we all have the same God inside of us. Even though we're all not perfect, in this body, we could lay our lives down for each other and we should, even in a little bit. That's what being a servant is and we'll get into that. Ephesians, I'll read, got a couple more on love, two more. See Ephesians chapter two, verse four and five. God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved, right? Remember, Pastor Mitch was saying we are a new creation. He made us alive, born again, right? We're not the old person we used to be. We're a supernatural being on the inside of the same old body that we had, but it's gonna get made new, right? But we are supernatural on the inside. We actually are containers of the Holy Ghost, of God himself. And even the universe cannot contain him. So there's something special in that. Really, there's something special about each individual human being, each human being, because they have the capacity to have God inside them and be with them and be eternal. And the body is the least of the thing. We talked about appearance. The body is the least. It's all, we're all gonna die. I like saying that. <laughs> yep. Okay, 1 John chapter three. 1 John chapter three. So what kind of, of love the Father has given to us? So see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Right? The reason they, they can't understand, they didn't know him. We, you have to accept him first and then you will know him. Right? It, there is an act of faith involved. <laughs> accept him, we accept him. It's not blind faith. We have the word, we have the history, we have the promises, we have lots, plenty. We have plenty. We could accept Jesus. We should be able to accept Jesus easier than anything else that we accept as true. It should be easy. It's just that there, there's an adversary who's putting up a bunch of lies and confusion, right? There is obviously an adversary. If there wasn't one, it would be much easier. It's like, come on people, <laughs> right? Come on. It's not that hard. It's, it's, there's a lot of benefits, 
A lot of benefits. Look what he's saying. Look what God is saying. Look what he's telling us. Like, it's not like he's saying, uh, like the old gods did, or is, yeah, you can be mine, but you got to give me your firstborn first, right? He doesn't say that. <laughs> and yet people want to serve that kind of God. They do serve that kind of God. Crazy. Adversary. Just remember, there has to be an adversary. Otherwise, it wouldn't be like this. See, the world's form of love is full of pride, of conditions. It says, love me because I look this way or I act this way. I give you this because I want something in return, right? That's called manipulation <laughs> in a way. And even kids, babies, they know how to manipulate, right? So don't say it's something we learn, it's in us. You know, and, and when people willful, willfully manipulate, you know what that's called? Sorcery, <laughs> witchcraft, really. So be careful of that too. The Bible has a lot to say about that stuff as well. Placing someone at a higher standard because of the way they look, who they are. You know, in some religions, they like have their, the front seats reserved for the people that have given the most, right? Or you're, and it's okay to honor people, right? But it gets out of hand in, in, in the world. It really gets out of hand, like, like crazy, like worship. They worship, the world worships people. I've always thought that's just crazy. I, I would not worship anyone, <laughs> any person. I don't care how beautiful they are, how talented they are, how rich they are. I don't care, <laughs> right? I, and that's the way we all need to be. Don't look at their station. They need God, right? They could have all that stuff and without God, they have nothing, nothing. See this, so just be careful. This type of thing can creep into Christian society as well, right? If we gotta be aware. You ask, how can that happen? Well, as we read, this is how it happens. This is how it can happen. And it's a good thing with a bad thing. As we read and obey God's word, his light, his attributes start to reflect through us. See, our lives, they start to shine like he does. Because he is so amazing, we start to become amazing too. We start to become more attractive, right? And it's because God's love is shining through us. There's nothing about us other than God's love shines through us, makes us nicer, friendlier. We, all the good things, right? Faithful, loyal, all those things, they become our attributes. People start to wanna hang around with us, right? And they start to look up to us. Well, see, God is cleaning us up. He cleans up our mess. He makes us stable, right? The world is unstable. We're stable, we're founded on the rock. We stand on the rock. We know who God is. We know where he wants us to go. We know we're not perfect, but we know that he's getting us there. We know we have help, right? And we, we have help. We have the Holy Spirit in us, helping us. So he makes us wealthy, right? We start to become better with our finances. And, he, and we, we start to tithe. And, and so the Bible says we can't outgive God. He says that men will come and give to your, put things at your feet. We get favor with those we need favor with. So our lives start to get better, Right? And what does the Bible say? It says the goodness of God will lead people to repentance. They shouldn't look at us in any way envious. They should be like, man, I want what God's given him. I'm gonna go after that too. I'm gonna go after God, right? Him or her. So as those gifts, and that's just the natural gifts, as we start, then the spiritual gifts start to come. And you, you know, like over and over, these people have been raised up by God and they almost start to get worshiped. Jesus, they tried to worship him before his time. He had to step out, step back. He said, no, my time's not now right? It's not time to worship in that way, right? 
So we have to be careful. Like what, what happens when God starts to work miracles through us and, and people come in and they start to get healed or, or, and things just start falling off them and stuff, miracles happen. Are you gonna, you're gonna, it, you're gonna have to watch it because you're gonna get puffed up, we call it, right? Puffed up. When the Holy Spirit, when God is working through you, you start to, we, we start to feel amazing like he is, right? And we should because God is powerful. He's mighty. We should start to feel that. That should feel good right? But just remember where the source is, right? The source. Yeah. So we have to be humble. That's why the Bible says we have to humble ourselves. We're going to start, life is going to start being better and better and better. Should. It's going to, we, we, we could lose our humility. We could actually desire that worship. We could, we could like going up on stage because of the people out there and they're, you know, and hey, you're this and that, and you got this title, right? So we got to be careful. It's happened before. <laughs> I've heard of it happening before. Yeah. Pastor Don, he's really good at being humble. <laughs> Just who he is. But he has to, we had to watch it too. Had, every person has, every person that does anything in God has people that want to put him up there quick. Oh man, you're talented. You're on fire for God. Oh, look at that. People are, you got a good message. Oh, look, wow. Lift you up. Put you up there. Here, have all this. It's happened. People get elevated too quickly before their time and then they fall. So see, to correct this, Jesus showed us a rule. He said, to be high up, you have to first be a servant, <laughs> right? What? A servant. See, Jesus explained to his followers that their practice of leadership was to be distinctly different from that of the self-seeking, self-serving, the domineering style of leadership often found in the world, right? I'm the boss, I'm the king, you obey me. You know, I'm the top. You're, you can maybe get up closer to me. Just do what I say, <laughs> right? Maybe that's how it is. That's how it is in corporate, the corporate world, right? Do exactly as I tell you to do and you'll move up the ladder. Don't express your own opinion. <laughs> but see, Jesus said, whoever would be, in, he said this in Mark. He said, whoever would be first among you must be a servant of all. I'll read the whole thing here again in the New International Verses. New International Version, Mark 10, 42 to 44. Jesus called them together and said, you know those that who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them? Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. And I mean, he used strong language there because he, he has to like knock us off our, of our high horse, because he knew we were, I mean, it's, it's just, he's taken one. He's like, yeah, you're going to get lifted up and all these great things, but just remember, you got to still be a servant. You got to go back down where the needy are, right? You can't be like, oh, I'm not going to talk to that person, right? No way. What if someone sees me talking to them? They're like, a, you know, they're the lowest of the low, right? They're a Samaritan or they're a whatever, you know, whatever that is, a different tribe, race, tongue, they don't look great. Maybe they smell. <laughs> yeah. So we have to go down there. Have to remember that. Jesus did. He came down, right? What are we, <laughs> think of us compared to God. He came down, lowered himself to, our, to us, to our level. <clears throat> See, the, in Matthew chapter 20, 25 to 28 says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
See, a servant leader will forgo his rights. We, a, a leader has rights. He'll forgo his rights rather than obscure the gospel, right? So he's, not gonna, he's gonna put the gospel above his rights. Always put God above your rights, your life. A servant leader's identity and trust are not in his calling. They're not in his position, but they're in Christ. Remember how confident Paul was back there, right? His confidence was not where who he was or where he was. I mean, he walked around in sandals. He didn't even have a car. He didn't even have a house, (laughs) but he was confident, right? He was confident. Paul, and and look what he said. Paul said it this way. I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19, right? And he actually was above a lot of people in his day. He was a Roman. He was a Pharisee. He, was, he, was, he had a high position. He lowered himself a lot. So to effectively minister the gospel and allow the Holy Spirit to work through us, we must remain humble and we must humble ourselves and pray that we receive the love of God. See, we need the love of God in our life, going back to that. Talking about love a little bit more. It says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 13, four to eight. That's love, right? So if if you find yourself not exhibiting those qualities, say, hold on a second. I gotta be more like God, right? I gotta be more in love. I gotta actually try, right? This is what love is, it tells you. See, love, it says love in Romans chapter 12, Verse nine and 10, and this is a good, good balance on love, as the world says it again. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor, honor one another above yourselves. Notice there that it's proper to hate evil. Hate what is evil. How can you love and hate at the same time? It says, hate what is evil right there, the word of God. Cling to what is good, Right? It, says, it doesn't say hate people. It says hate evil actions. Hate the things they're saying that are contrary to the word of God, right? They're lies. There's, hate, hate, there's things that people say that are actually blasphemous towards God. Don't love those things. We're love the sinner and hate the sin, right? We do not call evil good. They're opposites. Don't call, evil, don't call things that are evil good. That's what the world's trying to do now. So therefore, it's also right, it's also loving to oppose evil in love. We have to oppose evil in love. That's, that's part of what we have to do. We have to do that with our words and our actions. We must speak the truth that is, as it is written by God in the Bible and not stay quiet thinking that we're being loving. Oh, I can't say that. That would be mean right? Oh, that person thinks they're this way, but the Bible says this. Oh, that person's doing this, but the Bible says this. Well, you know, all you got to do is just go up to them and say, hey, you know, the Bible says this, right? You don't say, it's best to say the Bible says. I didn't say it. I didn't make it up, right? God said it. (laughs) I'm just telling you, 
because I want you to know I'm not gonna stay quiet, right? That's wrong. Why? Because the Bible says it's wrong. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it probably has some bad consequences too, right? But we'll see. <laughs> You'll see. But all I know is this is what the Bible says to do. And this is what says, it says is right and wrong. Don't change it. In John 13, John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35, it says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one for another, for one another. See, in the body, we have a special love. We call each other brothers and sisters. Our, in the body, our, this is our family. And our family in God is actually stronger than our blood. Even though the blood, has, the blood family has some draw for sure. But this is stronger. And remember I said we can, we have, it's possible to love each other even more than, the, than we could if we weren't in the body. But in the body, true love, remember true love is not the acceptance of sin, but by calling it out and getting delivered from sin. So we don't just let people come into the body and say, okay, well, yeah, you're sinning and, you know, or living this way or doing this thing. And we know the Bible says it's wrong. Well, you know, stop that, <laughs> stop that. Don't do that. Hey, can we help you? Is there anything we can do to help you stop that? You know, let's keep coming to church. Oh yeah, repent. Yep, cry out to God, ask him to help you, right? We try to encourage people as much as we can because we love them. They've come into the body. They're not perfect, right? We don't, we're, we're not trying to change them into anything else. Let God do it. But we wanna keep speaking the word of God to them. That's the only way. We want them to keep coming to church until such a time as if they're coming to church and they are unrepentant in willful sin and they're a danger, it says they're a wolf then. They become a wolf to the body. And at that point, someone may ask them to leave. Maybe it's not our responsibility, but someone will. The person whose responsibility it is, we'll ask them, go somewhere else. <laughs> Maybe, you know, you're just not, this isn't gonna work. And there are certain times, but they're very rare. Most of the time, the Holy Spirit chases people out in a true church before we ever have to tell them to leave. Oh yeah, you just preach the word and they will leave. That's, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's why there's only a few of you in here. <laughs> I've been around long enough to see a lot of people come and go. Amen. And, and they left on good terms on our part. Like they, the Holy Spirit just spoke and they said, I gotta go. <laughs> I can't take it. <laughs> I'm glad I made it through so far. See, I have a bit of a blood bond as well. It probably helped me. <laughs> I, might, I don't even know. I might have left too at some point. I don't think so, but I hope not. I'm, it's good. I'm, you guys are, it's amazing. You guys are all here. Really, yeah. Mm -hmm. And over all these virtues, let's go into Colossians chapter three, verse 14. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Binds all these virtues together. And before that, in first, in first Corinthians, I had a verse that says in chapter 13, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And then you read there, it says, in all these virtues, faith, hope, and love, they're bound together in unity. So love is the thing that holds everything together. There's many things that could tear apart stuff. Love holds it together. Remember, God is love, and he even holds the world together by his very being, right? What keeps all these things from flying apart? Well, God. 
If you just look at anything in science, nature, biology, it's amazing because God is amazing. How does it all work? We can't even comprehend it all still. So in the biblical sense, the meaning to be committed to one another is doing good unto that other, regardless of any feelings or involvement at the moment. And regardless of whether the object of that love, of, the, of that love even deserves it at the moment, right? Like you think, like some of the people that we end up preaching to out there on the street, we don't, we have, we don't really even like them. <laughs> we don't like their actions, <laughs> but we're still gonna preach to them and God's love is gonna shine through. And I like most people. There are some people that don't like anybody. Like they don't like, they don't like anybody at all, hardly. It's like, I don't like that, don't like that, don't like that. They spoke wrong about, there's a lot of people, right? You know, we know them. We know people like that. But God's love enables us to speak to them and draw them into our family, <laughs> right? I want you to be part of my family because I know that God's got something good for you and he's gonna take care of all those things that in you that are, may rub me the wrong way. And my enemy is gonna become my friend in the family of God, right? And that's an awesome thing. Like we, we actually can invite our enemies into our family and then trust that God is gonna change them and make them fit. It's a good thing. So we give each other a chance to repent over and over, right? We don't kick people out too quick. <laughs> so in this teaching, we went from the promises to love so that we could see that God is faithful and true, right? We went from the promises. I started talking about the promises, went to love to see who God is, faithful, true, because then we're gonna believe those promises. Remember we, have to remember, we have to know who the promise maker is. What are his attributes? What are his track record? Who is this making this promise to me? Who is this saying he's gonna do this for me, right? Well, that's why we, God is love. We just looked into love a little bit. It's more than a feeling, right? He doesn't change. He keeps his covenants. Causes us, he wants us to prosper. See, he says there's, and remember, he says there's dangers in disobeying the word too, right? Because like I said, there's lots of, he tells us things out of love that he says, don't do this. <laughs> this is what can happen. Don't, there's tons of things where he says, don't do this. And you know what? That's a promise too. When God says he's gonna do something, like he keeps it. And that's, that's why, you know, he cares about everyone coming into his family because he knows the consequences are severe. And he keeps, he's, he's, it's all set up. It's all, we don't know exactly all of it, but it's the way it is. And he tells us what to do to come in because he doesn't want us to be locked out. In Proverbs 9, chapter nine, verse 10, says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27, it says the fear of the Lord prolongs your days, prolongs days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Right, so the fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord, but I thought we weren't supposed to fear anything. Well, you know, in this case, fear means holy reverence, right? You know, we have a fear of touching fire, right? We, 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 will, we know we, we're not afraid of fire. We use fire all the time. We use heat, right? We, we should have a healthy fear of electricity, but we don't, we're not afraid every time we touch the light switch, right? So, so God is fire, a, a, a consuming fire, God is a light that burns and all away, burns everything away. Sin cannot be in God's presence. 
There should be a holy reverence for who God is and for that he will do what he says he's going to do. He has to. He cannot change. He can't change it. He can only, he made a way in Jesus. He paid the price for our sin, right? With Jesus. Because he couldn't just change all the things that he'd set up. There are people watching. <laughs> there are beings watching, right? This is a bigger thing than we think or know. Remember, there's more than we can think or imagine. There's more going on than we know. The Bible shows us glimpses of what's going on, but it says we won't even know, understand God completely until after we've left this body and moved into our new one. We've changed our position, so to speak. So fear doesn't mean you wanna be afraid. See, in Hebrews chapter 6, 17 and 18 says, God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind, right? We don't want a God who changes his mind, <laughs> right? He bound himself and, he, and then he told us what he promised to do. So that's even better. See, so God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, he, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to that hope that lies before us, right? We know that we can go to God in any situation and nothing can actually take us from him. Nothing can separate us from God. They could separate us from our bodies, but they can never separate us from God. To be absent from the body, instantly we're gonna be with him. So don't be afraid of death. Maybe that's what, yeah. See, we're trying to build faith, right? Because it says in Hebrews 11, verse six, says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Right, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Right, we wanna seek out the promises because we believe in them, because we have faith in them. And we know there's reward in this life and the life to come. We know there's reward for those who do not know Jesus. We know it's such a good thing. Come into the family of God, get, get saved, accept Jesus as your Lord and savior. Start to read the Bible because it's, it's good for you. <laughs> See, this faith, this faith is an acceptance of Jesus as the risen savior allows us to escape, says, so we escape from the depravity and sin that is in this world and leads to death. Depravity, to be, to be depraved. What is that word? Where is that word used? Let's look in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. It says, by which, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, Partakers of God's nature. Remember I said we're gonna to start to look like him, act like him. We're gonna have his nature, right? Through the precious promises, the precious promises in the word. We start to read those, read the word. We're partaking of them. We're accepting them as ours. We're believing in them. And, and it's divine, meaning it's God's nature. And then it goes on to saying, have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And that word corruption there can be, you can substitute depravity. So corruption, depravity, destruction, right? You look at people who 
go towards, the, first, the more they go towards Satan, the uglier it gets, right? In their life, it just starts to get ugly. Things start to break apart. So don't, people should not go that direction, right? There's nothing good about it. It's depraved. It leads to death, eternal death, right? We, we talk about dying, but it's kind of a joke, right? That's why I joke about dying. I'm not, a, I'm not that I wanna die and I want anyone else to die, but we're not afraid of death because we don't actually die. We live eternally. We don't go to the eternal death. We go to eternal life. It's like a reward. <laughs> it is a reward, the Bible says. Do our best now because the reward is coming. <laughs> See, I told you it gets better and better. <clears throat> so, you know, in-depth studies have found out that there are 7,000 promises that God's made toward us. I'll wrap this up. 7,000 promises in the Bible. And those aren't always I promise. Those are like, do this and this will happen. Do this and this will happen. He's telling us. These promises, they bring peace and security because we know that God has made them, that they are true as God does not lie, that he has the power to back them up and they, they apply to us. And I like this verse here. Romans chapter eight, verse 28 says, and we know, so Romans chapter eight, verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. So even some trials, even some persecutions, God is going to work those out for our good because we love God. So don't be afraid of trials, persecutions, and look at the promises and don't expect trials and persecutions in your life. Expect good things to happen. I'm like, man, could, can we be so bold, right? As to start to say the things that God says about us for our life. I think we should start saying them quietly first because <laughs> if we say them out loud, it starts to become like we're bragging or we're a little too bold. And then who knows, what if, what if something happens, right? Are we strong enough in faith to go through a trial? right? Not that that will happen. I, I, I like, uh, on my life, I'm sta I stand on the promises of God and, and prophetic things and revelation and history, and I expect good things to happen. I don't expect calamity, right? I don't expect that. I don't expect accidents. I, I expect things to work out every time for my good, and we should. And then get, if you need some help, get some promises and apply them. Say, no, 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 this, is, I don't, this isn't looking right. But remember, he, remember Paul said in the beginning, he says, just because it didn't work out for you, you think that I'm not what I'm telling you, these promises I'm saying about God because it didn't work right away, because you got persecuted a little bit, right? Maybe you got thrown in jail for following God and now you're saying, well, that didn't work out. Well, <laughs> there's more to it, right? This is just this life. You got to get it all, get some revelation. But I don't expect that to happen. And, I mean, and we're, we live in a country in a position where we shouldn't expect it, right? We don't live in a country. There are countries where you accept Jesus. You, you pretty much have to expect persecution and thank God for that, right? <clears throat> so Romans eight twenty eight. So don't, we, so don't worry. See, because we have these promises, don't worry. We'll be able to withstand some pain and suffering. They are inevitable. As these bodies break down, you know, hopefully we go quietly in our sleep at a ripe old age. That's what we all want. And that may happen. It does happen. Thank God. Pray and live a godly life. And why not? And otherwise live with grace, patience, perseverance, 
and even supernatural joy, right? Joy in the storm, joy above our circumstances. We can do it. God does it. He gives it to us, supernatural joy. We apply God's promises and put our trust in him. We have hope for a future with God, right? We have a hope for a future. No matter what is transpiring on this earth, this planet in our life, we have a hope that God is God in under control and that we're gonna get to live with him in a perfect world, in a perfect place. He said it. And we will be made perfect <laughs> like he is one day. And then on the back of your handout there, I just gave you 23 or 24 promises. They're very easy to find. You can print up promises and just read them out over yourself, you know, and start to apply them. But it's good. When I read those, you gotta be built up, right? Build yourself up in your most holy faith and become, become who we're meant to be. It's, we, and, and it's a good life in God. God is good, remember that. His goodness leads us to repentance. Oh God, thank you so much for getting me out of that trouble, right? I'm not gonna do it again. <laughs> I'm repenting, I'm, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not just gonna keep on going back to that, right? Amen. All right, we'll just close out here. <laughs> All right, Lord, well, we just thank you, God, that you are so merciful and gracious, God, that you're not like us, that you're, you're better than us and yet you made us as you are. You're making us better and better every day. We thank you, Lord, for all your gifts and your power and your ability and the things that you impart to us. Lord, we thank you for the family of God, friends and family, Lord, and for the unity of the brethren and the church, Lord, that we are restraining influence against evil. Oh, Lord, thank you that you help us to restrain evil. Oh, Lord. Thank you, God, for your mighty angels and your mighty help. Oh, Lord, that you help us every day. You protect us, that we can pray to you and ask you for things according to your word, Lord, and you answer yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And we answer yes to you, Lord. We thank you for salvation. Oh, Lord, we thank you for salvation. Draw many to you. Draw others to you, Lord. Draw those who need, to be, need you, Lord. Oh, Father, thank you for drawing them by your Holy Spirit, by, your, by us, Lord, as your witnesses, as your disciples. Help us to be more disciplined in our lives as well, Lord. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you for drawing us up, bringing us up in every way, in character, Lord, making us trustworthy and true. Oh, Lord, thank you for your word, word of truth, your word of truth. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the online portion of this week's message, but we'd love to connect with you in person. Our services are held weekly at 10 a.m. Sunday mornings, upstairs at 3771 Broadway Avenue, Smithers, BC. If you're on the go and you'd like to participate in tithes and offerings, you can e-transfer them to facfsmithers at citywest.ca. Till next time, God bless and keep you from all of us here at Faith Alive Christian Fellowship.